Welcome to X-Rated Movies! This is a movie podcast by two guys who used to date and now they no longer do. My name is Ryan Whedon. My name is Matt Fisher. We are your intrepid hosts guiding you through this... The perils. Strange mountain of terrible gay cinema this season. Yes, it's, uh, you know, we're nearing the end of our journey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're, we're over the hump, as it were. Right. You know, we're on the... Uh, the, the downward trajectory of all this. and can see the light. I mean, this is the first season that you and I have, like, teamed up on. That's right, yeah. And so this has been a lot. Like, usually, like, with erotic thrillers or something like that, like, you get usually a heaping helping of, the, uh, of that good stuff. You know, you'll join in on a, on a theme, you know, uh, when the mood strikes you. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time where, like, we both, like come to the buffet assuming that we were the only caterers uh-huh. like this is an all you can eat and we both brought all that both of us can eat i'm full <laughs> i'm getting real full here i know because well you know we've talked about this on on previous episodes we've also kind of been doing like extracurricular activities <laughs> and like watching other bad game movies too uh-huh. and god it's just wearing thin yeah this uh we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here, and I think we're kind of like shaving pieces of the barrel off, actually, because we've just really scraped uh, hard. I watched two, actually, this weekend outside of the one today. Oof. Uh, I saw High Art with Ali Sheedy. Oh, okay. It was very lezzy. I kind <laughs> like, of remember liking that movie. But it's okay. Yeah. It kind of, you know, it's one of those things that has like no real climax or like... When it does happen, you're kind of just confused. Okay. <laughs> Which is, I assume, how women have orgasms. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then I watched the movie version of Love, Valor, Compassion. Oh, okay. Which I'd never seen before. Yeah, I've never seen that. And it's definitely like an update of Boys in the Band, and I can definitely see how Three Day Weekend was drawing inspiration from uh, Love, Valor, Compassion. You just use finger quotes for inspiration, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That one, I don't know. It's easy to sort of forget that, you know, stories like that were important uh, this far out of, you know, the new gay cinema Mm -hmm. movement of, like, the early to mid-90s. Right. Like, you know, that thing's 24 years old now. So, you know, different time, different place now. But it did get me thinking about straight people playing gay because i know that like you know generally we don't like it that gay people should play gay parts but i have the unpopular opinion that like i'm fine with it if they do it well Mm -hmm. uh so i was just wondering what are some of your favorite instances of straight people playing gay my first thought is uh guy pierce in uh adventures Adventures of priscilla Priscilla. yeah that's on my list too yeah because he's just uh i buy it (laughs) and uh i don't mind if he's running around mostly shirtless Shirtless. yeah i think he's blonde in that too yeah which really works on guy pierce Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i hereby christen this budget barbie camper priscilla queen of the desert i don't know why but i tend to like it when straight people play super femme Mm -hmm. or or flaming if you want to call it that because if they do it right, I think it's just magic. <laughs> I also, I really liked, as sort of a counterexample, uh, Robin Williams and the Birdcage. I was just thinking the Birdcage, but I was actually going to say Hank Azaria. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
That one's an OTT. <laughs> With Robin Williams, it's because he's so flamboyant in real life like mm-hmm. have you ever seen his stand-up or like an interview with him he is everywhere and when he's kind of forced to like play it down like here a world's greatest dad mm-hmm. i think he puts more into like little gestures yeah and he's that, good at nuance when he when he wants to be yeah and that has a power to it like the the subtle understated uh movements and gestures and facial tics yes mm-hmm. i wear foundation yes i live with a man Yes, I'm a middle-aged fag, but I know who I am, Val. Took me 20 years to get here, and I'm not going to let some idiot senator destroy that. Oh, R.I.P. Robin Williams. Yeah, but yes, Hank Azaria is also very good in that. (laughs) I'm glad we're on the same page with these. Uh, Of course, uh, it's a tie in this instance, but uh, Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly in Bound. Ooh, yeah. My dad was like that. They never had anything new. Whenever anything was broken, he would just open it up, tinker with it a little bit, and fix it. His hands were magic. I feel like that is is an ensemble performance, mm-hmm. and I think they play off each other, and if one of them didn't have chemistry with the other, I don't think either one's performances would be as strong. Yeah, you really buy their romance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you see it. You yeah, feel it. smoldering. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> I, oh, my God. I know. I know. I feel like we should do a whole new episode about it. <laughs> Just boundary visited. Yeah. We could do like that one podcast that that guy has about the movie Heat where he just inter- he talks with one person about one minute of the movie Heat, uh, but we could do it with Bound. <laughs> I would much rather do it with Bound than with Heat, although Heat's a much longer movie, but... Right. Good lord. Is that really a podcast? Yeah. One minute? Doesn't that sound awful? That doesn't even like take you through a full scene. I know. I don't I don't get it. Oh, that sounds tiresome. I haven't listened to it yet, but And there's gonna be like 180 episodes. Yeah. God. <laughs> you gotta if, really like that what movie. If you got the credits. Like what if what if that was your minute? And it wasn't even like the first part of the credits with like actors you have to talk about like the MPAA <laughs> rating and yeah. how no animals were harmed in the making of this movie. Uh huh. <laughs> and that they'd like to thank the mayor of Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> also, who got the opening credits for for Heat? That doesn't sound like a fun minute to talk about either. Yeah, unless they'd like jazz it up, you know, Phantom of the Paradise style. I don't mm. remember the opening credits of Heat well enough. Yeah, I don't. E- I don't either. What if it's like, uh, 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 who, who's in that? Is that Val Kilmer? Val Kilmer, Al Pacino, Al Robert Pacino. De Niro. Yeah. What if it's them like uh, in high heels and <laughs> fishnet stockings and they come out with la- like large cards with the name on it? Like H-E-A-T. <laughs> but we just forgot. <laughs> you know, I think Robert De Niro could probably pull off drag, but I really don't think Al Pacino could. No. I don't. I mean, they're both great actors, but boy, yeah, I don't see... Al Pacino, I just think, would make an ugly woman. <laughs> Grotesque. Grotesque, yes. As, as, they, as they say. It would be obscene. <laughs> well, are any others straight playing gay that you'll... You'll allow? 
Not off the top of my head. Okay. Not Vincent D'Onofrio. I just want to say I'm very proud of this movie. <laughs> okay. This movie choice because I, as I said last week, I had no idea if it was, I was worried it was going to be good is what I was saying. But, oh. Uh, no. That was your concern? <laughs> yeah. I was really worried that I had picked like a hidden gem in this bad gay movie thing and I just wasn't uh, mature enough to appreciate it at the time. Oh. But no, no. 19 no. year old Ryan clocked this movie as a POS and he was right. <laughs> yeah. So what is today's movie? Today's movie is The Velocity of Gary from 98, I think, 99, something like that. It's like 20 years old now. Mm-hmm. And, uh,. You know, I it was always showing up on other gay movies and like the previews at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that trailer is so misleading. Oh, <laughs> like, I didn't watch the trailer. The trailer makes this movie look sexy. Mm. Look uh, like there's some sort of there's more to the relationship between Gary and Valentino. But man, it's just we spend a lot of time with Salma Hayek looking sad and like, <laughs> it is not at all what the uh, what the trailer the trailer is misleading is what I'm gonna say. So I'll start out with with the positive. <laughs> okay. Remember last week when we were watching the trip and you're like, thank God we're watching a movie that's on film. Mm-hmm. I got the same feeling here. This this feels like a real budget movie. Yeah. Like it looks like a movie. I mean, a they have top-notch stars like this is around the time that Selma Hayek did Frida uh Vincent D'Onofrio was already a name at this point I don't know if Tom Jane was like really known I'm not sure either but you know this has a budget this is like a real budgeted moneyed film yeah it looks like they're actually were filming maybe on uh like sets and things like that you know mm-hmm. like they, they like had streets that they could doctor up you know yeah they're probably movie set streets but still that means you had to use those facilities and just thinking of some of all those like those digital films from like 2000 to 2005 and how crummy those look Uh it is sort of nice to just kind of like sit back and like look at a movie that's on actual expensive film and be like oh yeah there's a reason why like we stuck with film for so long even though digital's been here for you know, a long time now, yeah, 30 yeah. years. I mean, and the sound's good, too. So it's like all these basics are there, which is nice. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> on every technical level, this this film it, is an accomplishment. It was made well in that way, regard. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the content is just a mess. Most of the problem, I think, stems from the script. Yeah. Because... What we have here, it's like, all right, Tom Jane, he's playing, I think they're insinuating that like, he's like a hustler, but you never actually like see him hustle. No. <laughs> <laughs> he works at like a male phone sex bank right. or whatever. Which he got the job the day he moved to New York. Like Vincent D'Onofrio just like pulls him off and is like, hey, let me show you something. And then like he just sits him at a desk and he starts working. Yeah. It's like, an, this is like a, a, a food bank job. It's like... You know, some of the homeless shelters around here teach you how to, like, code and how to be a barista. <laughs> this one, it's like, okay, well, you're getting a meal, but you also got to work the phones for an hour. <laughs> I don't know. The implication of, like, him at the very beginning, 
hosing off in the fire hydrant. Yeah. I don't know. Was he I, homeless at the beginning? Well, <laughs> like, there's a lot of unanswered questions here. It was just by the way that he was walking around and he had like a blue handkerchief. Right. Which, I don't know. I didn't look up the hanky code for this, but. Uh, I thought that was just his shirt because he was shirtless. Oh, yeah, it could have been. It was it, and it was a long hanky, so it could have been his shirt, but it it gave off the impression that he was soliciting. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing in the movie refutes that necessarily, but I also never get any confirmation of that. Like, nothing in the movie, they never call him a hustler or a gigolo or anything like that. It's no. just, he just kind of looks like one and acts like one. And so you just have to, like, live with your own belief <laughs> on it. So I say that the problems come from the script, and I, I say that because these are, you know, colorful characters mm. per se mm-hmm. like we have a male hustler vincent d'onofrio who's is a some... porn star well was it porn or was it like adult erotic art performance <laughs> so something closer to like a siren in the dark perhaps is what these movies he's in <laughs> well because they show like he sees that poster with like valentino on it and stuff like that and i thought he was it was like a poster for a play or like a modern art performance well, that that children's ballet yeah <laughs> we have to talk about the ballet scene i have so many questions well first we need to establish what valentino <laughs> right, is right, right, right. is he a porn star or is he a performance artist or is he both cuz i think it kind of makes it so all maybe right. a little bit of, maybe a little bit of both well, right, because he sees the poster, and maybe it's just me, but porn movie posters don't look like that. <laughs> like, this really looks like, you know, Valentino in a one-man production of 12 Angry Men or something <laughs> like that. I'm going to go ahead and say it's just a porn with weird posters. Mm. Uh, somebody's a budding graphic designer and they just they're experimenting with the form because i really get the impression that uh olivia dabo who's playing um veronica i think is her name mm-hmm. she is definitely a porn actress oh, okay and so she worked with uh valentino on several movies and uh so i just got the impression that yeah these were porns quick aside and feel free to edit this out years and years ago for mother's day i was going to take my mom to a movie whatever movie she wanted to see uh, and you t- talking about a graphic design artist taking liberties. Uh, my mom was like, I want to see this movie Crash that's like getting all these good reviews. And I was like, I haven't heard of it. And she goes, it's starring Sandra Bullock and Brendan Fraser. And in my mind, like I design a whole movie poster around just <laughs> what my the information that my mom has given to me. Uh-huh. And uh, it's like the word crash and it's like broken in half uh-huh. and tilted. And like in one corner is like Brendan Fraser just like shrugging his shoulders like, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> and the other is like Sandra Bullock, like pulling her hair, like looking like she's going crazy. <laughs> like arms crossed, like yeah. frowning. <laughs> and I was like, OK, rom-com called Crash. That's what we're going to <laughs> Crash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Falling in love has never been so hard. <laughs> Mary's always picking up the pieces <laughs> of her broken life. Yeah, no, I mean, that's. We should make trailers. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, okay, yeah. Valentino and Veronica. I think, yeah. Yeah, are in this. And, yeah, judging from the poster, I was like, this is like. Some shitty off, off, off Broadway play that's just those two 
doing like a modern remake of a Greek tragedy or something. Like that's what the poster looked like to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I I think there's just graphic designer playing with form. <laughs> <laughs> so he's in a relationship with uh, Selma Hayek. Who's yeah, Mary something. Mary Carmen. Mary Carmen. And uh, she's just a, a fiery little Latina. Yeah, just that hot-blooded Puerto Rican you've heard so much about. She could just switch on that anger at the drop of a hat, but then you just make out with her and that'll turn it off. <laughs> yeah, she's got one of those those really manufactured, like, fiery temperaments. Mm-hmm. You know, when the dude walks into the twin holes? The twin donuts? I think it's the donut yeah which i thought was gonna be a lesbian bar was actually a donut shop <laughs> they should have the, like the donuts the neon sign donuts look like boobs so yeah. and you know i don't know twin holes like you kind of i don't know missed opportunity <laughs> missed opportunity <laughs> uh and that dude comes in and he orders just like coffee and a donut and like she like cops some attitude because like he interrupted her singing into a spoon <laughs> if you need me call me just call my name and I'll be there in a hurry. And we have to talk about before that guy gets into the cafe, There's he's like assaulted by two drag queens mm-hmm. who were mean to him for no reason. I didn't understand that at all. Yeah. They were just rude. Yeah, there, there's these two like drag queens like out keeping guard, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And this guy just wants to go get a donut and some coffee and they're like, Pushing him and calling him a pussy. They slapped and like, his butt. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I, I did not understand that because he was 100% minding his own business yeah. and trying to walk into this donut shop. Yet yeah, she, she gives him all this shit. I'm like, he literally just wants coffee and a donut. Like, this has got to be the easiest part of your day. Yeah. You know? He's like, get me a glazed donut cup of coffee. I'm a customer. You're the waitress. I ain't a waitress. I'm an institution. All right. <laughs> like... What are you? What are you even doing? Your high at work? horse is still outside, lady. Like, <laughs> just just calm down a minute. God, and that boss, like, after she's like eaten his donut and has yelled at him, the boss is like, "Okay, let's get a get him a glass of water and we'll start all over." I would be like, "You're fired." Yeah, <laughs> get out of here. Well, she's like, "You can't fire me. I quit. You cannot fire Mary Carmen." But when she says that she's an institution, I was like, "Has she worked here forever? Is this her shop? Like, yeah. does she own this place?" <laughs> but she does not. And then, like, as the movie like progresses, because it like jumps back in time a year she hasn't even actually worked there that long (laughs) and it's not like she'd become a like beloved part of this donut shop she'd been there for a couple weeks yeah (laughs) and then later after she quits she goes back to the donut shop to hang out like (laughs) why is this donut shop so great i mean they're in new york city like there's There's got to be more donuts around than this one shop. I guarantee you this one shop does not have the monopoly on donuts in New York City. It it was very, very strange. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I thought about it because this specific donut shop has like a lot of queens there. Like it seems like it attracts drag queens. It seems to attract gay people. It seems to attract sexually fluid porn stars. Uh And I do kind of miss that sort of establishment like on capitol hill when i first moved here there was like broadway grill right and it was like that's where you went on like sunday mornings like when you wanted to have an awkward brunch with your hookup from the night before that was also a place where you could hang out if you weren't 21 too yeah like you just you'd go to the broadway grill and like it was gay yeah um, 
And I feel like we don't have establishments like that anymore because, well, now if you're gay, you can go anywhere yeah. with your hookup from the night before. Or you can Postmates it and <laughs> not have to have that much of an awkward conversation. Right. But there was a time I feel like this was specifically like it kind of died out around 2010 of these establishments that like from the outside were just like your normal everyday greasy spoon. But the clientele was almost exclusively homosexuals. Right. And I don't know. I don't feel like we have those not as anymore. much anymore. Yeah, I don't think we do. Or like coffee shops even that used to be like that. Like, yeah. We just don't have, we don't really have those anymore. Like, I, like I feel like I caught the very tail end of that type of establishment. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I like that this is being represented on film. Sure. Um, Gotta capture those twin holes. <laughs> until Ethan Hawke walks what in. What the fuck? <laughs> playing Rosie Perez, I guess. Patty Garman, I'm looking for my donuts now. What are you doing? <laughs> what is he doing in this movie? This cast is crazy. Well, he plays a tattoo artist, and he's really only in like two or three scenes. Right, yeah. And I feel like that's sort of a wasted opportunity, because, you know, Ethan Hawke had been... Like, Gattaca was, like, 99. I don't remember when the first Before movie was. Like, 94, I think. So I feel like Ethan Hawke, I don't want to say that he's too big to play this small role, but I do kind of feel like he's too big to, like, play this stupid role. <laughs> you know, he's got that dumb, uh, uh, like, crown of thorns uh, face tattoo yeah. going on. And he's supposed to be Jewish? Is Ethan Hawke Jewish? Wait, he's supposed to be Jewish? Yeah, because when he's, uh, spoiler alert, Gary gets a tattoo at one point, and uh, when he's giving it to him, he's talking about his bubby. That's my grandmother, you goy fuck. Uh, and how she had, like, a, oh. uh, a tattoo of a number from, you know, the Holocaust. Oh, right, 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 right. So. Oh, yeah. Boy, he doesn't look the part at all. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying that you have to be Jewish to play Jewish, but I don't know. He looked more Puerto Rican than Jewish to me. <laughs> Whatever. It's weird that he's in this movie. I like how we've talked this much about the movie and I haven't actually talked about Gary. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Let's let's get to the title here. Velocity is about speed, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How fast is Gary? What does Gary go? <laughs> That's a better name for the movie. Where does Gary go? <laughs> like, this movie isn't even about Gary. Gary's not even his real name, or is it? I think during the end credits, it says, like, Gary, and then in parentheses, it says his real name. Jesus, are you serious? Yeah, I think he was going around saying Gary wasn't his real name when it was his real name. There's that horrible arty moment when he's, like, trying to get interviewed by that news reporter, and he's standing in front of the TVs, and he's, like, Mm. explaining who Gary is. And uh, he says... (laughs) That horrible arty moment, that was, like, the only scene I liked. (laughs) I mean... I mean, I kind of like it as a thing, but uh, it had no place in the movie. But mm-hmm. he um, he says that, like... Someone named Gary could wear a letter jacket from high school with lots of medals from winning the 100-yard dash in the pole vault. He'd part his hair on the side, and he'd shoot dead teeth and gum with his mouth closed. Is that the persona that he's made up, or is that who he was, and now he's this scary like that's true i guess we wouldn't know (laughs) like they don't actually explain it but it's like yeah is he was he the like high school sports star yeah did he have the letterman jacket did he 
like have all the girls like was that a part that he was playing and now like this is who he really is well it doesn't i think valentino at one time even says like i named him gary like he was a dog <laughs> so he's from kansas or kentucky or canada I don't know, something with a k i named him gary speaking of dogs how do they lose his dog <laughs> like why, a, why even have the dog storyline I yeah the do- that the dog motif is really kind of perplexing because it's like after Valentino like collapses in the street it's like the end of act 1 and like uh Valentino collapses in the street and is being taken off to the hospital and Gary's like sitting on the curb and this dog comes up next to him and I'm like hey I've never seen a stray dog this size in my life uh-huh. in a major city yeah like, I know that, like, stray dogs do exist, but, like, this is obviously, like, a well-kept dog that's not on a leash with no tags. I was like, and, like, just comes up and starts, like, getting friendly with Gary. And then... Like, it turns we, out it's Valentino's dog? Well, right. We see it, like, later in the movie, like, sniffing, like, either, like, a dead cat or another dead dog or something. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, it comes out that this was Valentino's dog that they lost. Yeah, he's, like, pissed off at them because when he was in the hospital, they didn't take care of his dog. It's like, it doesn't seem like you're doing a great job of taking care of your dog either. Yeah. There's also that weird scene. Uh, the dog is in the weird, is that one weird scene where they're, Selma Hayek and Vincent Nofrey are, like, making out on the f- floor of the subway station or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Gross. There's, like, trash around them, too, and they're just, like... Uh, uh, I'm going to put on makeup and make out with you here <laughs> with our dog. What the fuck? They have that like. That's when they meet. That's when Gary meets. What's her name? Oh, Mary yeah. Cameron. Like, that's how you want to introduce you? <laughs> yeah, this movie seems to have no real respect for how gross New York can be. <laughs> it's like if you went into a New York subway, like, how much money would you have to be paid before you, like, licked one of the handrails? Oh, I, I can't. I don't know. <laughs> It would be a lot. Yeah. And, like, the idea that they're just wantonly carnaling each other on the floor of the subway. Yeah, there's, like, people walking by and stuff. It's very bizarre. So, okay. Gary. he's He is, like, the hole in the donut here. Like, he's in most of the movie, and yet we have nothing to talk about with him. No. I... Tom Jane, this time in his career? Ain't nothing wrong with that. No, yeah, I hit it. Yeah, what, like when he's like getting hosed down in in the hydrant water. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah. I see it, I get it. We uh, don't get the the foley design of his shoes being all squishy, but um. <laughs> I know you're going to walk around all day in those shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio, Vinny D. <laughs> there is something wrong with that. <laughs> okay, so when uh, they first meet, there's like a flashback of when they're first meeting. And uh, it's Tom Jane looking at the poster for Vampire Sex Seductress 7 or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, he's looking at the poster and then, like, he looks over and Vincent D'Onofrio is standing off uh, a little bit down the street. He looks like a fucking gargoyle. Like, it's like Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> I, I got, no, I got Tommy Wiseau hair, but with Vinny B's face. Who, like, like, I don't want to make fun of Vincent D'Onofrio's looks, but he's got hard features i don't think the ed hardy shirt is helping much either (laughs) 
he looks awful. Yeah. He, I would is, never fall for that man. <laughs> it's weird because in the credits, I saw two other D'Onofrios, which makes me think that like he kind of pushed for this movie to be made. And it has this weird sort of vanity project angle to it because mm-hmm. like he's a porn star or some sort of erotic icon yeah. in the city. And in like the, the first scene in the donut shop, it's like it's established that he is sleeping with Mary Carmen. Or that they have a relationship. Right. It establishes that the they had a relationship with that Dabo chick because uh-huh. she like bounces up and down on his junk. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then it also establishes that he's got something going on with Gary because they like make out near the bathroom. Right. So it's got this angle to it that Valentino is like Rudolph Valentino that everybody wants him you know just this romantic erotic icon for the ages but boy you couldn't (laughs) tell by looking at him so god maybe if even if they had just like done something with the hair that would help it's like real bad it's hair. real stringy and greasy looking i almost feel like they were still going for like the heroin chic look yeah maybe like the really matted black shiny hair sort of thing yeah if he's supposed to be this you know everyone's like falling over themselves for valentino like they're they're disrupting their lives to make sure he's great and like everybody wants to be with him like i just have a lot of problems buying it. Yeah. Based on the look that they gave him. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, Vincent D'Onofrio, like, I wouldn't say that he's, like, a great beauty, but he's also not, like, a character actor <laughs> level of attractiveness either, yeah. you know? You could style him right and have him be sort of a heartthrob, or if you gave him maybe some juicier lines, maybe make him a little bit more charismatic. Yeah. You get no charisma out of him here. No. I think you're supposed to get the idea that uh, the thing that he and Selma Hayek have in common is that they're both really fiery and love life and impulsive mm-hmm. and do these things. Uh, we just don't really see much of that. Mm-hmm. And when they do, they're kind of annoying. Like, <laughs> especially uh, Mary Carmen, like... Sometimes she just has these outbursts and you're like, oh, she's supposed to be, you know, like some whimsical person. But you're just like, can you just stop? Can you just turn it down a little bit? Yeah. I mean, there's a time and a place for extra and she has not determined when that time or place is. (laughs) I am going to make some microwave popcorn. We don't don't have have a microwave. microwave. I was like, how long have you lived there that you haven't noticed that you don't have a microwave? Like, they've already paid one month's rent, so presumably they've lived there for a month, (laughs) and you're just now noticing that there's no microwave? Uh, And, uh, you know what, if you're... uh, Why would you buy microwave popcorn if you don't have a microwave? Like, don't you think you'd plan that out ahead of time? Yeah, I think I would (laughs) do a little reconnaissance before buying microwave popcorn to confirm (laughs) that my place had a microwave. Yeah. I wouldn't buy replacement <laughs> bidet tubes <laughs> unless I knew for certain that my place had a bidet. Yeah. I don't go any place. <laughs> I don't move into any location unless there's a fully functional bidet. <laughs> You're still using the replaceable bidet tubes then, huh? <laughs> well, you know, I get them at Costco. I buy them in bulk. I see. <laughs> That's why you gave me a five for Christmas. That makes sense. I got it now. You're getting 10 for your birthday. 
I have this note here that Vincent D'Onofrio kisses men weird because <laughs> when he was kissing Carrie, I was like, God, this is—he's like, oh my God, eating his face. But he also kisses women weird. Lots of open mouth kissing. Okay, so this is definitely a topic that I have as a note too. So like that—that that seems more like realistic kissing the way that they're doing it. You know, there's like movie kissing and really, then and well, I don't know, like open mouth. I have a couple of videos sexy. of me kissing people open mouth that I'd like to show you. Okay, great. It just seems like while it may be like they're feeling it, maybe, it looks awful. Like it's not sexy makeout times. No, I I mean this is this is sort of the opposite problem that I have with a lot of movie kisses where it seems like they like their lips touch or maybe even their mouths open, but there's no real exchange of fluids. Uh-huh. Uh, this kind of has, I feel like, the opposite. I feel like Vincent D'Onofrio is like, we got to make it sexy. And like this is paying the bills. Yeah, I am and, putting my tongue way down your throat. Yeah. Like, yeah, this has the opposite problem. I feel like Vinny D was selling it here. <laughs> And me, Tom Jane and Sama Hayek were like, well, slow your roll there. <laughs> That's why someone like, I don't know, the director who's watching this can be like, you know, that doesn't look great. Like, let's try and just pull back you just know, a couple notches. Vincent, you know, you don't. I know this is your your movie, but like. <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio feels like, no, no, no. Like, unless my tongue hits their wisdom teeth, <laughs> this won't look believable. Just let me do it my way. Uh, he's like ready to walk if they, if, he, <laughs> if he pushes him anymore on these kissing. I am tired of hearing you tell me how to kiss. It was like how Tommy Wiseau insisted on male nudity in the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, it's very weird. Can we rewind and talk about the ballet scene for just a split second? Yeah, I, I, now that we've established the Valentino character, I think now is the appropriate time. <laughs> okay, so... They, there's a children's ballet performance. Yes. Uh, that Valentino invites everybody to, and while they're sitting there watching it, they're like, "Why are we here?" And as an audience member, you're also thinking that. Yep. Uh, we sympathize with our characters. <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly he comes on in the middle of this children's ballet, and a, a full-grown adult, and like kisses this sleeping princess, blah blah blah. But everybody's like cheering for them, and <laughs> there's. All the characters that we've met so far, including Gary and uh, Mary Carmen and the drag queens and the, at the donut shop are all there, except there's one lady who looks like Mary Poppins, <laughs> and she has a whistle. And I'm like, who's that? I paused it and took a picture because it's the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> I was, uh, I'm dying over here. <laughs> who is that? <laughs> I think that's friend of the pod, Bettina McKelvey. (laughs) She's got a whistle. Yeah. What is happening? (laughs) Must have hit the editing room floor. There must have been a whole sub-chapter on her. (laughs) She's dressed. I just want to explain this a little more. She's dressed like Mary Poppins when they jump into the painting, the sidewalk painting. Yeah, it's like sort of a Southern Belle Mary Poppins (laughs) with like the... Like the big hat that has like the the lacy undercarriage to it, and a whistle because you know. <laughs> uh, everybody else I know in this lineup, but then suddenly she's there and she's just like, "I'm here, woo!" 
Go Valentino. <laughs> tweet, tweet, tweet. <laughs> oh my god. I'm sorry. It was just I was I was just crying watching this. Wow, yeah, I didn't even notice that. But... She must be part of the school. Like whatever school is putting this on. <laughs> or she's one of the parents, maybe. Mom, put the whistle away. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> yeah, it must be that because everyone else is standing in sort of close proximity to one another. <laughs> she's slightly off to the side. So, yeah, she must be like a parent or something. <laughs> well, later on, when um, the dog gets found by that homeless woman, I was like, is that the Mary Poppins woman? <laughs> <laughs> Which would I mean then like there's some story maybe but Yeah <laughs> Anyway and then and then after the performance happens the uh the ballet teacher woman has this like reflective moment where she's talking about time just disappearing I used to be able to dance for hours and hours and hours and hours We can edit this like uh, this movie yeah. needs I mean, I, I think I said this last week where, like, the first time I watched it, I felt like this movie was three hours long. It's only an hour 40. But it feels so much longer. There's so many times when I was like, cut it. Cut it now. Yeah, I watched it yesterday. And maybe because, like, yesterday was, like, a really nice sunny day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got to loan the movie to Ryan tonight, so I got to watch it, like, right now. So I watched it at, like, 2 or 3 p.m. on, like, a really sunny Sunday. Mm-hmm. Part of it was, like, maybe it was, like, oh, I should be, like, out, like, enjoying happy hour, like, sun and, like, margaritas and, like the cool breeze of like a Seattle springtime and instead I'm watching this because <laughs> yeah this was more so than other movies that we've watched this season this was definitely one where I'm like I'm 34 Ryan <laughs> I'm I am too old to watch these like subpar movies <laughs> like I it, I'm hurtling towards the grave <laughs> and honestly you know, this is what, bad movie number eight? Like, bad game movie number eight? Of the previous seven, I don't think I had that, like, ticking of mortality <laughs> in the back of my head until this one. One is, A, it's not super gay. Like, it's not nearly no. gay enough. There's no dicks. There's no butts. We don't get any really good queer culture. I feel like this is either, like, the queer movie equivalent of uh, Reality Bites for, like, Gen X culture. Okay. Or the queer equivalent of Party Girl. Oh, no. For that, like, brand of, like, New York uh, sort of vapid party girl people. Yeah. There's also, like, this time period uh, in these kind of movies, like, when uh, bigger studios were, were branching out into gay cinema. They would always kind of make it a bisexual sort of situation. Um, you could have a gay person, but, like... Everybody else was kind of a caricature. Like those, I don't like those drag queens. They're mean, and they don't really make a lot of sense to me. And I, I don't like um, the deaf Patsy Cline one either. Like, what was what was her point in being in this movie? Yeah, I mean, I feel bad ragging on the deaf Patsy Cline character because, well, uh, you know, like Todd Salon says, you know, you give a nice person cancer and you feel sympathetic for them, and like his whole deal is like to make people where you like struggle with your sense of sympathy. And I kind of feel like that's how the Patsy Cline person is. Like they're deaf, they're trans, 
they've just moved to the big city to try and make it, and in a week they die. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's like she's fresh off the bus and she gets hate crimed. She's like, she's doing the like spin with the luggage and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the first like three minutes of the movie. Yeah. So she gets, she gets hate crimed immediately. And then it like flashes forward a week and she dies. <laughs> she dies. And oh, it's, she dies because she's heartbroken so she like walks into traffic <laughs> which is really something like does like the weight that like gary has like it never really comes back no to it him, never but, like, gets discussed again the power that his beauty has over other people never comes back to like give him comeuppance or to give any sense of like ironic development in the movie or to like serve like I don't even it, there's nothing in it that like serves as like a learning experience no, for him he doesn't either. even seem that broken up that she died he's definitely more upset that like Valentino like collapsed in the street yeah then Patsy Klein was like fucking hit by a car and like that's sort of a traumatic moment yeah like the he's... way that she's like twitching in the road yeah the actor does a pretty good like horrifying job of does a good job of making me feel it, horrified i mean it, it was sort of like uh allison janney and margaret mm, i thought of that too yeah yeah <laughs> and it's one of those things like the weight that the scene has in no way belongs in this movie. No, it, and it never comes up again. No. One, <laughs> once Patsy Klein dies, that's the that's no one... the last we hear. There's not even flashbacks to the, the week that they spent together. Nope. We don't even, like, nobody even talks about it anymore. No, and I just felt bad. It's like deaf, trans, and, like, just moved to the big city from, like, you know, podunk, Iowa, and... Dead I, within a week. <laughs> you know... Where's her movie? <laughs> yeah. Where, where's the velocity of Patsy Klein? <laughs> Honestly, like, I just, you can cut that whole thing. I don't really understand why she's there. Like, she does the whole, she does a drag routine to uh, I Go Out Walking After Midnight. Mm -hmm. And the, they do the whole fucking song. They also sort of imply that uh, she'd been deaf since birth. Right. How does she know this song at all? <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I don't feel like that's too much of uh, a question the audience can have. Like, if someone's been deaf since birth, how do they know to lip sync to this song? I also feel like cowgirl drag, not my thing. Also, like, this is kind of high drag. You know, it's like she's got tassels, she's got all her makeup on, and she kind of, like, just walks around like this is how I am all the time. Mm -hmm. And I have trouble believing that also those other drag queens too i kind of like they're all crazy dressed up and they the movie wants you to believe that like this is just how they go around and like all the drag queens i know it's work like nobody is like excited really to be in drag like they like doing the performance but they're not like going shopping that way yeah you know i i, I that i think that's sort of a, a misconception is that like drag queens like dress exclusively in drag it's like no it's like it's performance like you know, actors don't even go out of backstage in their costumes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's sort of the same thing. But she's sitting there playing the video game in the drag, and I'm like, I just don't, I don't buy this. Yeah. That video game, by the way, called her a loser. 
Did you notice that? Yeah. It's like, loser, loser. <laughs> loser, loser. I still haven't made my point about why I think the weakness of this movie comes from the script. And it's because we have these, like, you know, quote unquote, interesting characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, male hustler, uh, a bisexual porn star, and then a fiery Puerto Rican coffee shop waitress. Mm-hmm. But I think the fulcrum of the film, like, where it would have to be interesting is like, they're not doing anything unusual. They're just fighting for scraps of love. And like, that's really usual. Yeah. I think it's more interesting when you take a pencil pusher, data entry, like boring job, somebody and put them into an unusual situation. Sure. Like, I think that's what makes like a, a like a Coen brothers movie. Like Fargo is like, you know, you got a lady cop and you got to use car salesman and a scheme that goes awry. And the scheme is what makes it interesting. And right. it pulls everyday people into a, a, an unusual situation or happiness to go back to Todd salons. Like, you know, these are, ordinary people that are doing extraordinary things yeah and it's that that makes it interesting these are like people who lead you know extraordinary lives but they're doing something really plain they don't do a lot to be (laughs) honest it's like yeah they fight about microwave popcorn and they get sick and have to go to the hospital it's like that's that's the movie yeah (laughs) we don't really see a lot of growth i mean the biggest growth happens like once uh Vincent D'Onofrio dies mm-hmm. and like they sort of come together they're like they're just always bickering like first of all uh Mary Carmen and uh Gary are just bitter 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 people all over this Valentino person for mm-hmm. some reason but um not much happens other than like we have to sit and watch him die you know and was it uh was it Jessica Baxter who was like I hate like the cliche of like the only time women vomit or when they're pregnant i have the same note (laughs) uh i will say at least this time there was a little symbolic scenery to go along with it because she vomits but there's a virgin mary also in frame oh right while she's vomiting and uh yeah i was like oh they're really hammering in that she's pregnant Uh because she fucking downs that gallon of chocolate milk i was like that's what's gonna make her barf (laughs) but (laughs) She has no chocolate milk mustache. And I was like, for the the velocity of which she was drinking that, for her to have, like, no residue on the top lip seems a little unrealistic. So I, I think I saw through that movie magic. I think that carton was empty. But Can we talk for a second about the crosswalk lady? Oh, yeah, yeah. She's a pedophile, right? <laughs> because she's like... She gives uh, Mary Mary Carmen a couple kisses on the cheek, mm-hmm. which I was like, mm, probably not cool. Uh, seems a little uh, taking advantage of that of that kid. <laughs> and then later, when like when uh, Mary Carmen says, she's like, "Don't you remember me? You used to you used to help me cross the street every day from school." Uh, there have been so many. Mm, I don't want to. I have pending legal issues already. Uh, like, <laughs> is that how you read that scene? <laughs> That's what I took it for. <laughs> How do you, how do you feel? Uh, I didn't get that read at all, but I like your interpretation. <laughs> yeah, no, let's go with it. So it's like, yeah, she's a serial rapist, preying, serial child rapist, serial pedophile rapist, <laughs> preying on the, this is the the odd combination of older woman preying on young girls. 
and uh, she somehow clouded Mary Carmen's mind that she looks back on it fondly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting take. It's real shading for Mary Carmen's character, <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> so you think Mary Carmen was molested as a child? Absolutely, by that crossing guard. And we're going to laugh about it. <laughs> and when she goes back for restitution... The crossing guard's like, I don't know who you are. <laughs> I'm sorry. There have been so many. It'd be like a bad education when they go back to the priest. And he's like, well, yeah. there's just, there's been so many people in my parish. Yep. Okay. <sighs> Good. Okay. I'm glad. I'm glad you feel the same. <laughs> wow. That's gross, Ryan. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I don't know. It's the season. I'm telling you. It's doing things to me. Yeah, th- I, this season really has sort of, like, I've tried to temper it out with watching some good movies, but I almost feel like watching good movies has made it worse. Like, it's just, it's shown, like, the valley between these movies. Like, I'll watch a good movie, and then I'll watch one of these ones. I'm like, how did they make so many bad decisions? I was really struck by this movie, because... Like we said before, there's probably a budget here. Like, a lot of eyes were on this. Yeah. A lot of people were putting their time and energy into this thing. Who sat through, like, a rough cut at some point and didn't say, cut this, cut this, cut this, cut this. Like, there's no reason this movie has to be an hour and 40. Like, it could easily be an 85-minute movie. Yeah. Also, I do feel like something got cut that was important to the movie. (laughs) There must have been something integral to the plot or to the characters that I think was too boring and they did cut. Because, I mean, really, Gary, there's nothing to that character. I know. Why is he the title character? Like, I really don't know. Like, yeah, you're saying, like, velocity has, like, implies a certain amount of speed. And then I describe Gary as the hole in the donut. Like, he's just sort of there. And he doesn't really seem to... Like, if he wasn't there, Valentino would still have gotten Mary Carmen pregnant. He still would have died from... They don't say it, but it's got to be AIDS. It's probably AIDS, yeah. Because it's whatever he has, he gives it to Mary Carmen, and she can't breastfeed their kid. Otherwise, the kid is at risk for getting it. Right. And I don't know enough about how all this works, but somehow you can, like, have a child. Yeah. Yeah, like, maybe that's accurate. I don't know. So, you know, the implication that it's AIDS, I don't think they ever say it, though. No, they don't. Um, this And they didn't say it in the trip, either. Just, come on, guys. Yeah, like, this is the one thing that gay movies can claim. Yeah, can we just say it? <laughs> like, yeah, you can say AIDS and faggot, and, like, those are the things <laughs> that we can say that other movies can't. Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. So, spoiler alert, Valentino dies. Finally. <laughs> I was kind of on some high excitement for a while. She's like, I wish he would just die already. I was like, yeah, me too. He's just holding you guys back. Come on. But then there's... uh, It's more than just that there's an emotional weight to this movie that it doesn't earn. Like, it really, like, puts it out there. And it's like the way that they... That Mary Carmen's like... She's not really yours. But she's kind of yours. By association. And, like, you know, putting, like, this cute little baby and sort of explaining that, like, you know... Named Hope. (laughs) Not her real name. Like, framing the baby and, like, having Selma Hayek explain, like, oh, she can't breastfeed her, otherwise it'll be at risk for, for, uh, uh, you know, contracting it. 
like that's just like easy emotional manipulation totally like cute baby explaining that that you're hiv positive and like just sort of zooming in i was like nothing about this movie earns this moment yeah like this is straight up just emotional manipulation this is an innocent baby you know nothing wrong with it you can project whatever you want about your beliefs in the world into this baby mm-hmm. and they're talking about how they need to protect it and that they need to put their differences aside in order to like have this baby raised right and i'm like yeah all that's true but like this is also just like shameless pandering in a way yeah to just any sort of sense of sympathy that the, that the audience has like you'd have to be a monster not to like feel for the baby a little bit there but it's like in the grand scheme of the movie it's like no like you made a whole shitty movie and then you just put a cherry on it yeah <laughs> fun fact the director of this movie dan ireland did you look him up i did he's one of the co-founders of the, of the seattle of... international oh, film festival yeah that's so strange to me this is obviously a person who cares about cinema and likes you know, movies enough to start a fucking film festival. Mm-hmm. And this is what you came up with? Well, I mean, I, I think that's why I say that the problem isn't necessarily with the directing. It really lies in the script. I think this is just a bad script. Yeah. And this is what happens when you have to make a full film out of a bad script. I'll be a little bit more forgiving to a bad movie that has good actors sort of chewing it up or at least having a good time. Like, I can get on that that wavelength. Mm-hmm. But here, there wasn't really enough meat for the actors to go into. Yeah. It wasn't like this was just like three otherwise fun people that like I would like to be around in a bad movie. Mm-hmm. It's like this was like kind of three boring people in a boring movie. Yeah. You said that you like laughed a whole bunch <laughs> while watching this. Yeah. And I had the opposite. Like I was on my couch just like waiting for it to end. <laughs> It gets funnier. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty proud of this choice. It was really terrible, but uh, I am sorry that I made you sit through it. Um, But, you know, we had to laugh about Mary Poppins (laughs) and and that uh, child rapist. Remember that? That was funny. It's a real disaster, and uh, I'm glad it's behind us. <laughs> what? What? We're almost out, but what's in front of us, Matt? What have we got? What have we got next week? I need to get back to silly and stupid quick. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I think we've spent too much time in, in serious in drama land. town. Yeah. Um. So next week we're gonna do just stupid fun uh frat house massacre okay it's sort of a take on you know your slumber party massacres or your sorority house massacres but it's at a frat house great uh sounds, yeah. sounds like a good uh palate cleanser so let's uh plug our junk get the fuck out of here yes please follow us on twitter at x-rated movies and follow us on facebook at rated x movies Send us an email at x.rated.movies at gmail.com. And uh, listen, if you've enjoyed our golden-toned voices yammering on about uh, child rapists, then please 
go on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review and a... Jimmy Stewart Blumpkin. Jimmy Stewart Blumpkin. We would love that. And it would also help us spread the word to other people. And if you want to see what else we've done or listen to what else we've done, go to our website, xratedmovies.com, because there's literally everything we've ever done there. Mm. Stuff that you cannot find on Stitcher or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, but everything is on our website. Mm -hmm. If you really feel like going back through the whole catalog, you can find out why we think tape is funny. (laughs) Episode 11, Tan Popo. Yeah, right there. That's it though, right? Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, All right, next week, Frat House Massacre. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. We'll see you then. Until then... Keep, Keep reaching, reaching for that, that rainbow. rainbow.